let's not forget the, the human rights. We all have the right to our own identity as well. We understand that, but at the same time... Well, I will tell you. <laughs> um, anyway, I'm getting off track. But the biggest name we just announced was, of course, Johnny Depp. And that's just the start of what's available on the Atheist Oz podcast. I'm your host, Carly Sturgis. It's 2016. Have you considered joining the Atheist Foundation of Australia? We've got memberships where you can not only support future projects like billboards, media releases and events, but also get a fantastic magazine, network with other like-minded atheists, get some pretty snappy merchandise and have a say in the future of the association. We're holding our AGM in March in Sydney, so consider starting off your year right and join now at atheistfoundation.org.au forward slash membership. Founded in 2012, the Women Without Religion Forum began with Women Without Religion and has since grown to be inclusive of feminists, rationalists, atheists, LGBTQI and cisgendered folk. The page primarily acts as a billboard that advocates for changes to make the world a better place for everyone, regardless of race, ethnicity, gender, sexual orientation, ableness and age. The Women Without Religion page is without religion for a large number of reasons. They understand that without religion and with more evidence-based reasoning, the world would be a better place for everyone. I spoke to Annie, the founder and one of the administrators of the page, and you can find it yourself at facebook.com forward slash women without religion. Probably about three years ago, um, it dawned on me that uh, a lot of the atheist communities I was a part of actually didn't actually represent an awful lot of atheists. There seemed to be... Um, a, a huge dearth in the representation of women, of LGBTI people, um, their voices weren't heard. Um, in many of the groups online that I was part of, we were always just hearing from the guys. Yeah. Um, and they were a particular age range of guys in between 20 and 50. And the conversations were fine a lot of the time, but a lot of the time they were quite exclusive. And... Uh, there was just a huge dearth of other voices. So um, that was quite quite a, a bit of a, an epiphany when it sort of dawned on me. And I think that happened because uh, friends of mine who are female atheists as well were discussing the issues we'd had online with being uh, sexually approached and being uh, derogatory terms anytime we entered a conversation, mm. uh, shut down, having whatever uh, thread of discussion we were involved in. Um, sorry, I've got a bit of a throat here today. Um, well, we just found that they had all experienced the same thing, and that was, you know, uh, guys posting pictures of boobs, yeah. uh, sexual invitations, critiques of their profile picture. It all always seemed to be. Um, the same story. A, a good conversation very often was just sabotaged by sexual connotations that mm. weren't, you know, weren't part of the dialogue and they didn't need to be there. So yeah. we sort of all felt that um, there was more going on. It, it was more like a bit of a turf controlling thing um, where people were just shut down if they weren't a, a particular type of person. Mm. So that sort of became a reality and we actually just went out for dinner one day with a bunch of Good way to start. people, yeah, and um, when we got home from the dinner, I thought, well, you know, like we know so many fabulous people in the, you know, atheist community and um, 
all of them challenge, you know, all sorts of bigotries online and they're active, you know, they're feminists and, you know, they, they are out there. So, you know, why don't we all just get together and move forward and make, make a place for all voices to be heard? And they joined in. And with them joining in, it just took off. And it's still taking off and the numbers are just going up and up and up. And we find that the more people we get, the, the broader range of people we get. We're not just catering to women. We're not catering to LGBTI people. We're not just catering to anybody in particular. We seem to have a whole big pot of everybody. We've got lots of men who enjoy our stuff. We've got a lot of, um, a lot of everybody. And that's what we wanted. We just wanted a place where no one drowned out everybody else. Excellent. And it seems to be quite successful and it seems to be the sort of place that a lot of people are looking for. We've also got a smaller group uh, where it's, it's probably a little bit more intimate where people can talk a bit more openly and you know we've got guys in there and they you know they speak just like us and us women and you, you can't tell who's who and that's the sort of forum that we really wanted to mm. develop where everybody matters and no one gets shouted down. So we're still working on things, but we're getting there. Excellent. Now, are there particular issues where women are targeted by religion that really concern women without religion? Yes, indeed. There are quite a lot of issues. Um, religion and misogyny do go hand in hand. Um, sexuality is a major target of religions, all aspects, uh, from sex education in schools to contraception, the right to engage in consensual sex with you know, a variety of partners, the right to abortion, the right to be in a lesbian relationship. The entire area of female sexuality is totally under attack by religions all the time. From birth to death, it's an obsession that all religions have. So we believe a woman's right to her personal autonomy um, to determine things like their own career path, whether to marry, to reproduce, to stay at home, to go to work, is just pivotal to their very existence. So that's one of the major functions of that we have as well it's, it's challenging the misogyny and the the sexism that that comes hand in hand with religion so every aspect of those areas that i've mentioned before are monitored you know commented upon and censored by religion and we just you know we just challenge that whenever we see it and we believe that all women have the right to choose whatever it is they want to choose, the bodily autonomy, we actually actively fight that. So mm. um, it's just one of those things that's going to be ongoing. Uh, it's never going to be fixed totally in our lifetimes, but, you know, someone's got to do it and hopefully one day the world will be a better place in that, that area. Are the topics particularly rele relevant to Australia or do you often find there's a worldwide appeal with the women without religion and, and what they talk about on the Facebook group? specifically Australian initiatives and topics that we would actually just focus on. Now, mind you, there are, you know, most of this is global. Yeah. But yeah. because many of us are from Australia, um, we tend to throw it out there, you know, um, the information we have, we used to, you know, be a springboard of conversation, uh, comes from Australia, but it's reflected all over the Western world. And they are things like, you know, the domestic violence, um, you know, it just yeah, the sexism inherent in the systems, in the societies that we, we actually live in. Um, 
the sexism, the abuse and marginalisation of race and racist discrimination against Aboriginal women mm. um, and girls, uh, teachings in school, uh, the targeting of te teenage girls by religious organisations, you know, grooming them. Um, these so-called self-improvement courses in schools, you know. Yeah, there's a few they're, of them. Mm. Yeah, they, they are a real concern. I mean, you know, they, those courses really, really need to be challenged, challenged really strongly. And, you know, things like the segregation of Muslim girls in schools. Um, you know, all of these issues, we can't just sit back and, you know, accept the status quo because it's, it's discriminating against girls, not only... Um, discriminating against them sexually, but it's also discriminating against them uh, religious-wise. Let's not forget the, the human rights. We all have the right to our own identity as well. We understand that, but at the same time, these girls have rights of freedoms. So that's, that's an issue we have to throw on the table, and it's an issue that has to be talked about. And it's also, also we deal with the treatment and abuse of women um, in refugee camps. Mm. Hot top uh, topic now. Uh, sadly, you know Australia has gone down that path. There are a huge number of issues with that, but particularly, you know, the way women. We had Baby Asia here in Brisbane yeah. um, last week. All of those sorts of abuses. It's it's ongoing, and it's 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 not just a small focus. This is the sort of conversations we wanted to develop where we actually talk about the broader issues. We aren't just talking about not believing in a God and we aren't just talking about uh, uh, girls and boys treat, being treated equally. We're talking about the, the broad range of issues that we all live, um, live with from day to day that affect us because of our gender and our uh, religious backgrounds, religious beliefs. This is how we would like to see atheism going forward, looking at the broad picture, um, because it does. It, it encapsulates us all. Do you worry about it diluting the message, perhaps? I mean, it is possible mm. to go so broad that you're not as effective. Yes, we do. Well, no, we don't worry about it, but we always bring it back to this, this is what I mean. We have our tentacles where we go out and we talk about these issues, but we always can bring it back to how it relates to us as women, mm. why it's an issue for us or for our, you know, our, our members that might be um, gay or um, elderly men. We have, we have representation of everybody. So um, it's relevant to us all, but we're all there because we want to hear the voices of everybody and that includes people that, that normally don't have a voice. So the issue is primarily women without religion is basically we reject all that religion uh, expects us to accept when it actually is harmful for us. So we always bring it back to that and that's the relevant thing. Other things are relevant but that's, that's the primary focus. But as I said, we can we can talk about the other bits as well, but we always remember who we are. Yeah. So, what are some of the future goals of the group for Women Without Religion? Okay. Well, we've got a readership of around thirty-seven thousand now. Wow, um, that's big. Wow. Yeah, it is big, and um, we we are really lucky. We've got admins from all over the world, and um, we have uh, admins from 
you know, all over the gender spectrum as well, mm. and age spectrum and ability spectrum. So we we do have quite well. It, it reflects our group really, but we do have quite a range of um, people uh, involved with us now. And I think our our next step going forward is well, we're going to sort of talk about building maybe a web page where it could be a bit of a hub. We think we're not planning on getting together um, for people who don't want to um, make what they want to talk about public because, well, they'll be named. Yeah. Um, one yeah. of the, one of the things about our group is we aren't a closed group, and um, well, we have a page and a group, but the group in particular, which is more intimate, we aren't a closed group, and we won't be a closed group because. If we want to be seen and if we want to be heard, we want people to know we're there. And if if we're hidden away, no one will know we're there. So that's the reason that we are actually an open group, but that prevents people from actually coming out and naming themselves, because they're on Facebook, they need to name themselves, naming themselves and um, raising an issue that's important to them. So. We want to be able to have a website which people can go to, which they can contact us directly and we can refer them or we can get them to, you know, um, think about which one of these particular forums that we're recommending they might like to talk in, uh, which one's most appropriate for whatever issue it is that they've got. Um, basically, we just want to keep marching forward doing what we're doing. We're not doing everything perfect and everything's a learning journey for us, but so far so good. We are always willing to take on advice, uh, suggestions, I'm not saying we, we, we make changes just because people say we should because we don't. Um, we, yeah, we just want to keep going the way we're going. We're quite happy with that and like I said, we've got a fantastic admin team. I uh, can't speak highly enough of. Yeah, I suppose the internet is wonderful because what would have landed up being a small little Australian community group is actually, um, you know, it's reaching to places that we we would not have been able to get to before. And we've got we've got people from, you know, uh, the Middle East. We've got people from all like we've even got someone from um, Antarctica. Oh wow. It's, Wow. I know, and that guy is, is pretty cool too. So, um, <laughs> well, got... I imagine he would be in Antarctica. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Well, he is cool. <laughs> He's probably a bit cooler than most, though. Um, so, yeah, uh, it's just wonderful. I mean, I never sort of thought, I never thought for one moment that it would it would go as it has gone, um, but it has. And we've had a few challenges on the way. You know, Facebook likes to shut us down when. Um, you know, certain religious groups will get their get their people all together and get us get them to report us all at the same time. We might go down for a day, but we'll bounce back the next day. Awesome. So we're quite used to it, and we take it on the chin and just keep marching forward. As I said, you know, like we're sort of just a Facebook entity at the moment. We did have when Google Plus was, you know, looking like it was going to probably be a bit of a uh, competitor for Facebook. We did have something going on there and talked about a few things, we're on Twitter, but at the moment the best anyone could do is find us on Facebook, Women Without Religion, like our page, join our group. Good idea to read our rules before you do because we're pretty specific in 
who we don't let in. We're not too specific on who we do let in. But if someone's got a page, their own personal page, and it's slathered with all sorts of bigotries, they don't get in um, because it won't be a good fit. And that's what we're trying to get away from. We, you know, like a lot of our people in our group, yeah, 6,000 people, they actually come to our group because they want to get away from all that sort of stuff. Um, both our page and our rule, uh, sorry, and our group have got uh, our rules listed very, very clearly. And yeah, so, and we do check people on our group before we let them in. We have lots of men pretending to be women. We know that. And we, that's a bit of a giveaway when Facebook tells us that, um, you know, Jenny Doyle would like to join your group. Would you like to check his profile? Oh. It's, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, there are so many giveaways. It's um, yeah, it's it's very easy. So yeah, only genuine people, please, because cool. yeah, we like to keep it a safe place for everybody. Paul Fidalgo is our international correspondent on the show. He is the communications director for the Skeptic and Humanist organization, the Centre for Inquiry where he writes the Daily News Roundup, The Morning Heresy, amongst a bazillion other things. He blogs at iMortal over on the Patheos Network, and if he threw all of his phones at the recent televised debates, there'd be quite a lot of damage. Welcome, Paul. What's happening in the world? Hi, Kylie. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing great. How are you doing over there? Wow, everything's happening in America at the moment. If it's not politics, it's Reason Rally, it seems. Yeah, yeah, everything is absolute lunacy uh, right now. Um, if you were ever, if you're one of those countries uh, that is worried that uh, the the big kid on the block, the United States, uh, is maybe not so, not so uh, stable lately, this would be this would be the time to really get scared. This would be oh. the time to try to move your continent farther away, if possible, because uh, things are getting very bizarre over here, and most of them have to do with a gentleman you may have heard of by the name of Donald Trump. But oh, yeah. uh, that may or may not be relevant to what we're talking about today. But it sure is the focus of a great deal of what is nuts right now in, <laughs> in my my little backwater country. Yeah, I, I gotta admit New Zealand is looking more and more appealing. It really is. To all of us. Yes. To all of us. Yes, watch out, New Zealand. But yeah, I mentioned the Reason Rally, and uh, it caught my eye recently because I thought, okay, yeah, it's a huge event. It's a free event, unlike the Global Atheist Convention we have over here, which I think is, is pretty darn big in size. But the Reason Rally is an outside event. Anyone can come along, and Johnny Depp is coming along. Crazy, right? Yeah. Uh, what? That totally Johnny surprised Depp? me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So how, I, I, I presume your listeners are probably familiar with what it is, but just quickly, the, the Reason Rally was done in uh, 2012 originally as kind mm. of a, almost a response to some of the other rallies that we saw, like Glenn Beck did one, and then you had the funny one with Jon Stewart and Stephen Colbert, yeah. uh, these big kind of uh, 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 parties on the lawn sort of uh, at the National Mall or outside Capitol Hill or something like that. And so the Reason Rally was kind of a, a version of that, except it was for the non-religious mm. uh, and kind of had a very strong, you know, we're, we're atheists, rah-rah kind of message to it. And it was, you know, it was a big deal. And, I, and it was, I had just started at CFI actually when, uh, when that kicked off. So uh, it was all, all new to me. Yeah. And we're doing it again. Um, and uh, this time there's definitely more of a pro-reason as opposed to pro-atheism, pro-reason, pro-science angle to it. Yeah. Uh, I think it's intended to be more celebratory of the things we are for, of uh, reason-based policy, um, things not based in superstition, as opposed to just uh, speaking up for atheists as an identity, yeah. um, which I think the first one was more focused on, and this one I think is more is a little broader in scope. Um, so yeah, and it was just recently announced. I, sh I should state that I am involved uh, somewhat with the with the Reason Rally. I'm on the committee that it's 
uh, working on communications Ooh. and things like that. Um, so I have some insight to this, but not as much as you'd think. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> it's always a bigger machine than most people will realize. You turn up exactly. and you go, what, what? Thank What's God I'm not, I'm not uh, completely uh, responsible for all of it because <laughs> I would uh, lose my mind. But so we recently announced that uh, a slew of, uh, of big names was going to be joining us. There were big names last time, but I, I think we're starting to, to one-up it a little bit. Um, Bill Nye will be there, which as far as I was concerned, if Bill Nye was going to be there, we were done. We were going to be okay. Um, Margaret Cho, the comedian, is going to be there. Uh, my favorite is John Delancey, who is Q from oh. Star Trek, as you well know. Q, um, so I love Q. Very excited about oh. that, yes. Um, younger younger listeners may remember him as the dad of, in, uh, in Breaking Bad who lost his daughter. But. Yes. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, but, um, I remember that. Yeah. yeah, or even younger may know him as the voice as one of the voices of a bad guy on the My Little Pony cartoon. Um, <laughs> I don't want to know I, how you know that. Oh, dear. I have a three-year-old daughter, but you know oh, what? Okay. It's my six-year-old son that loves that show the most. Actually, I, I will tell you. <laughs> um, anyway, I'm getting off track. But the biggest name we just announced was, of course, Johnny Depp, um, which surprised the hell out of me. I'll tell you, I had no idea um, that uh, he was interested. Uh, that he was at, at all involved. I had no idea that he was even a non-believer or or even a nun, as they say. I, I didn't know any of that before. So this is all all news to me. But but good news because it's a huge name and it's a great draw for us. I'm wondering if he'll um, turn up in a pirate costume. That would be intriguing. Well, you know, a lot of people are hoping that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I'm hoping that he kind of breaks out into some uh, Sondheim or something because he's now oh. done two movies for Sondheim musicals. Not that oh, he's the yes. greatest, but... I feel like our movement could always use more Sondheim. But um, <laughs> it's one of those things that's funny. You know, I, I have to wonder that if, if this is a, a situation where uh, a, a celebrity just needed to be asked, you know, yeah. um, someone just happened to know he wasn't very religious and happened to ask. Because I, I believe me, I don't know how these people get picked or found or anything like that. I have no line of sight to any of that. But. You know, um, I remember not too long ago when like the biggest celebrity an atheist conference could come up with was like the guy who played the smoking man on X-Files. You know, like that was the best we could do. Um, <laughs> but it's safer now, right? You can it's it's not as scary to to say something about one's atheism. It used to be just like a dominion of like old cranks and stuff, mm. uh, or at least the way it looked like anyway to most people. Um, but only recently you have these celebrities who are not just saying, yeah, I'm not religious, but actually will talk about it as a topic that's worth discussing, um, which is novel, which is new. And so mm. whether Depp falls into that camp, I, I have no idea. But I, but I think that's part of the atmosphere that's happening. That's why I think you see like John Delancey there, for example. You know, it probably never occurred to him before that like this is something we should that I could talk about as an important topic as opposed to something tangential to my life. Yeah. So I think that's an interesting development. I think it's a very cool development. In a kind of a related way, I know Madonna is uh, not an atheist, but apparently people in the Philippines are treating her as if she's um, the worst of the worst. They're saying that they should keep away from her tour. Now, I do remember this back in the 1990s. It was featured in the documentary um, In Bed with Madonna or In Tour with Madonna back when she was doing the... Um, right blonde tour that she had around blonde the world. ambition i had to check sure ambition I yeah it seems such a long time ago but <laughs> then does. when i got a glimpse of it again on youtube i thought wow wow it was a huge deal and yet yeah i thought okay that was also a long time ago and now the philippines are saying that they're not interested in having madonna's tour turn up in their in their town i, I more things change more things stay the same i guess yeah i don't know it's but I have to guess. I have to guess that this is just, you know, 
it's just once again an influential religious figure who decides to pick a fight with a celebrity and because it it makes news and it makes a statement and you know not there probably isn't any real expectation that it will be follow through on I, I suspect I suspect but I, I think that this particular scuff is scuff is that a word uh, this particular dust up here uh, is not in itself anything new and you know I, just a couple of years ago I think it was Lady Gaga couldn't get into Indonesia or something or there was a there's a fight about that. Hmm. Um, I think it's a it's a symptom, though, of like the larger global kind of crackdown on free expression, a desire to see uh, the culture purified in particular countries. You know, this is a Catholic country. We're not talking about one of those, uh, you know, Muslim countries with the blasphemy laws where, you know, a majority Muslim country will arrest you if you, you know, blog about secularism or something. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's it's symptomatic of a larger thing. But. I also kind of find this hilarious. You know, when I wrote about it in the Morning Heresy, like I said, it was uh, it was like it's 1990 all over again, meaning that this seems such a, a out of left field kind of thing to be offended by. You know, mm. Madonna is 57. Wow. Um, the, and the guy who's calling for this uh, ban is, uh, what's his name? Archbishop Ramon uh, Argeyes, perhaps? Argels, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. He's 71, right? So, you know, maybe that's that's as far maybe he doesn't know anything past 1990. That's as far as he goes culturally. You know, I I I'm fine with that. I can understand that. You know, he doesn't have anything more relevant to be I hope uh, he doesn't discover boy George anytime soon. He's going to get I, it will break his heart. It will absolutely <laughs> break his heart. Uh, wait, what if he discovers Caitlyn Jenner then it's all over. Oh, then Christ. it's all Christ. Uh so now I should I'm going to say though I'm 38 and I'm out of touch and I you know I don't know who would be more relevant today to be you know touring around and who could come to Indonesia and would be better to upset him. I don't know. Um because I'm old man and out of touch. But uh I have to I have to think like Madonna not not the most effective uh uh focal point if he really wants to make a splash. Yeah. It's kind My of My two sad. cents as a PR guy. <laughs> Sorry? My two cents as a PR guy. Yeah. It's kind of sad that, yeah, the, the fuss is being made about Madonna, whereas we have uh, the one year since the murder of Abjit Roy, and we also have Salman Rushdie back in the news again. Apparently they've upped the um, bounty on his head once more. I was reviewing the documentary on uh, his time when he was writing Anton Joseph and uh, mm. the experiences he went through, and it just seems, oh, geez, really, it's... Yeah, the times that we are in. Time does seem to be standing still in a lot of ways, right? So this Madonna thing is funny, right? Because it's, Mm. you know, uh, a celebrity who's kind of, you know, out of, uh, you know, past the prime of her, you know, degree of offensiveness, you know. Uh, That's kind of funny. But the contrast you make is a stark one, right? Because the, the, the real problem is not which already extraordinarily rich and privileged stars will get to travel the world on their world tour. The question is whether or not ordinary human beings who happen to not agree with the majority religion in a given country can say so without fear of being hacked to death. Mm. That is a more important question. Um, And, you know, even more so than the Salman Rushdie thing. The Salman Rushdie thing, I don't know what uh, spurred the upping of the ante, as it were, Except perhaps as kind of a way to um, reassert that, yes, we are still on this same level. This is still how we feel about this. And just so you guys don't get any ideas about us becoming more progressive. I mean, I don't know what else is going on there. But uh, for the state of Bangladesh right now um, Mm. that you just mentioned, like you said, one year ago since Abhijit Roy was killed. And after that, there were four more deaths in the same vein. 
several other attempted deaths as well. Uh, other publishers, uh, Avajit's widow, uh, Bonya Ahmed, who is a goddamn hero, by the way. Um, she survived the attack on him that, that night in February last year. Uh, that is the real crisis right now. That is the real religious freedom crisis right now. We have in the United States today just the you know the Republican debates and things. We have people complaining about how a uh, a baker who has to make a cake for uh, a, a same sex couple is being oppressed, or that a uh, an organization that is run by religious people don't want to have to have the insurance, the medical insurance as part of their employment, uh, be required to also cover contraception. It would be would violate their religious freedom, and to do so is just unthinkable. Mm -hmm. There's literally a Supreme Court case right now where uh, these religious organizations who are allowed to opt out of covering contraception find it a, a violation of the religious freedom to have to say they opt out, to have to sign a paper to say they opt out, uh, is in itself a violation of their religious freedom. So that is the bizarre, polarized, like, uh, 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 introduction to the opposite sketches we have going on right now, where in, in reality... The, the very freedom to say, you know what, I'm not so sure about your religion um, is not only suppressed but is uh, uh, enforced through brutality and murder. Whereas on the other side, in our country at the very least, we have people complaining my religious freedom is violated because I have to indicate that I don't want to you know, have our insurance company pay for your contraception. Right. Um, it's, it's, it's an abysmal uh, contradiction but it's one that's important to, to remember. How is politics going in the USA at the moment? Uh, I noticed on your summary on The Morning Heresy, the New York Times published two letters to the editor reacting to Susan Jacoby's recent piece of atheists on atheists and the language of politics. And also mm -hmm. we had uh, Joseph Berger at the New York Times looking at how Bernie Sanders talks about or doesn't talk about being Jewish. What's your take? Is um, the nuns rising, the the reason rally, getting more people coming in and supporting it, is it going to have a likely impact on uh, the political outcome? That is such a great question. I've, I've been thinking a lot about this lately. And the most uh, remarkable thing to me right now, as far as irreligion, non-religion in this uh, particular election cycle, is how we do have a candidate right now in Bernie Sanders who is not, he says he's not an atheist, so I don't want to put that out there. You know, he, but he also talks about his belief in God in this completely vague, airy, we're all in this together, golden rule kind of way. Mm. He does not talk about God as uh, like an individual figure to whom one can ask things and, and who controls things. That, that, that has, to my knowledge, he has never spoken about God as, as, a, as its own entity. Mm. Um, and the and the fact that that's not really talked about much, that to me is extremely interesting. Uh, I would have to imagine that ten years ago, if that had been the case, if there was a a viable presidential candidate who was not willing to discuss God in terms of a a personified figure, uh, th that would send all sorts of red flags and fireworks and 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 sirens and things. Yeah. Um, the fact that it's just kind of an intellectual curiosity now that like, you know, in the middle of the New York Times on the Sunday paper, there might be a, an observation about it. And, you know, let's write some thought pieces about it here and there. But that it's not like people going like, whoa, that's that's uh, or there's not tons of people offended by it. Or yeah. There's not tons of people rallying around it. It's just not really discussed in any meaningful way. That to me tells me that enormous progress has been made, not necessarily for, you know, 
all out and out atheism. I think if there were a candidate that were to say I'm an atheist, it would still, if not disqualify them, at least really put an albatross around their necks. Mm. But the fact that there's a, a candidate who is, you know, only religious in the most generous way of describing it um, and that that's not a big deal, uh, I, I think that speaks volumes. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder to myself if it's because of Obama and his relationship with his family. His mother, for example, was very open about, hey, I checked out a variety of religions and decided it wasn't for yeah. me. And that how that influenced Obama's uh, take on, okay, well, you know, the world's a lot broader than just what happens in the church that right. I choose to go to. I think Obama even described her as a secular humanist. I'm not certain, yeah. but I think at least something along those lines. Yeah. But I'll tell you, Obama, if you were if you were a non-religious voter in the United States and you were looking for Obama, he of the secular humanist mother of the people who go, oh, he's a secret atheist, um, which, by the way, is nonsense. Um, he, if you were hoping that he would come into office and kind of do away with a lot of the language that we're that Susan Jacoby is talking about, um, the in God we trust stuff, the uh, God bless the United States of America stuff, yeah. you are going to be sorely disappointed because there are few. Uh, presidents and politicians, I think, in this day and age that invoke those cliches as much as he does. Yeah. Uh, now, I think a lot of that is to kind of uh, fight against all the ridiculous um, conspiracy theories about him being either a secret Muslim or a secret lizard person or whatever it is your conspiracy theory of choice is. Mm. Um, but still, I mean, I, I don't doubt for a second that he's a true believer and that he means it when he when he talks about God and his faith in Jesus and stuff like that. And so... It, it, if anything, he has helped embed that Jesus talk and God talk into the political language, uh, especially, be, you know, by being a liberal president, a tolerant president, you know, I mean, who's politically pretty much all on the right sides of these things, mm -hmm. who does separate church and state for almost entirely across the board, you know, almost, almost, there are some very important exceptions to that, but otherwise, but for the most part, it's been very good, mm -hmm. um, but still uses the language uh, so frequently and earnestly that, uh, at least in terms of just how we talk about politics and religion and politics, I don't think he's been much help at all. And, and if anything, he's just he's, he's dug it in deeper. Oh, that's a shame. To finish off, uh, Tim mentioned Cardinal Pell's song. Of course, this is closer to my home than it is to your home. What's your yeah. take on it? Well, I, as I mentioned, I just listened to it moments before we started because you <laughs> mentioned you wanted to talk about it. Was like, he did I turn mean, up to the Reason Rally. He was at the last Reason Rally. He so was I thought, oh, you rally. might have had a chance right. to catch him. Yeah. He brought down the house. That's right. Yeah. Um, I didn't even know who Cardinal Pell was. Uh, I had no idea what any of this was. And so like, as soon as I listened to the song, as I'm listening to the song, I'm reading the Wikipedia entry on <laughs> Cardinal Pell so I understand what's going on. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to assume that your listeners know all about this, so I'm not going to rehash any of it. It's viral over here. It turned yeah. up on a very popular TV show, The Project, where um, the hosts of The Project um, on commercial television said, right, we want to be able to send the people who are involved in this case over to um, Rome in order to be in the same place as Cardinal Pell when he mm -hmm. gives his evidence to the Royal Commission and right. um, rather than trying to get him back here. And then, yeah, Tim mentioned whilst he was in my hometown for the Perth Writers, uh, sort of the Perth International Festival, he, ca he turned up just to do one song and he said, um, yeah, he ended up recording it just down the road from the radio station where I volunteer the song about Cardinal Pell and then zipped yeah. straight back to Los Angeles. He got a tiny amount of drubbing, well, ineffective drubbing in the press about it. Bill Leake of the Australian um, 
did a cartoon. It certainly wasn't satire because, well, one, it was hypocritical in terms of how he said, oh, you'd never attack uh, the Muslims about the things that they do. Well, uh, Tim Mitchin hmm. has in the past. And says, <laughs> there's an example of it online if people want to check it out on the Atheist um, Foundation of Australia's uh, Facebook page, one where he talks about um, burning of the books and the absurdity of it, and he uses the Quran as an example. But also because, yet yeah, there's a freaking royal commission on it. This is a big deal. And only just two hours ago, um, Cardinal Pell, has, uh, a summary has popped up on ABC News about how he's going to be asked if he knew that offending pe- priests were being moved from parish to parish. Yeah, it's a big deal. And so the project and Tim Minchin jumping on this and calling attention to it has been quite dramatic. That's remarkable. That is just remarkable. And, and you know, just as far as the song goes itself, well, first of all, it's very catchy. It's very, it's, you know, it's very good. Yeah. Um, but beyond that, uh, my my thought is, wow, what an effective way to get a message across. Mm. Uh, what a wonderful way to take something so tough and and painful and controversial um, and also mired in uh, politics, and, you know, international politics even, um, and to take something like that and to so simply and jovially uh, get the message across that he's trying to get across there for justice. Uh, I thought that was really remarkable. And incredibly um, difficult too. I mean, he's mm-hmm. an atheist, he's an out atheist, and it's entirely possible that many of the people who have been hurt by the circumstances that are being investigated are still religious and they might yeah. be very hesitant to be on the same side or, you know, be interested in Tim Minchin's work at all. Yeah. Sure, but but there's something so accessible about what Minchin does with this song. Yeah. I mean, he always is, right? He always is. I mean, he's he's very good at what he does. Mm. But but this is an example of him using that talent, I think, in such a way that uh, you, for, like I said, the song is catchy, right? Yeah. Like the, like the message of it is is really heavy and and deeply important and and uh, hard to talk about, but done in this packaging it makes it easier to digest it distills what matters about it um it it, it cuts away a lot of the the back and forth and just gets right to the heart of the matter in in a way that you know a really good essay couldn't do that Mm. you know a speech could never do uh that maybe even a prosecution could not do you know that he does it in the in the scope of a what three minute song you know what what Um, was intriguing someone did write out the lyrics as if it was an essay so they removed all the um oh the brackets and um just looking at the language that is used there um even people yeah it was on the conversation website and i think even tim minchin went whoa okay guys it's not a homework assignment don't pull it to pieces but even just looking at the language that was used yeah incredibly powerful yeah yeah well good on him thank you so much for joining us here on the atheist foundation of australia's podcast and of course if my people, pleasure as always and if people want to check out more secular and atheist news and cutting edge blogging by paul on imortal on patheos blogs and on the morning heresy you do so much man and on his excellent podcast thinkery People can follow Paul on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash Paul Fidalgo and find themselves completely and utterly exhausted by everything you do and think, well, this dude is cool. So thank you so much. Well, I'll tell you, if you're going to follow me, you know, uh, it depends. During a Republican debate, it's going to be a lot. (laughs) I'm just going to warn you. There's going to be a lot of stuff there. So you may want to come in maybe maybe in the the, in-between hours. Just a warning. (laughs) Yeah, there was a couple of times you just seemed to... 
<laughs> you can mute during those times in your tweet deck, you know. <laughs> I, I usually throw in a small comment along the lines of, here, have a hug, or don't <laughs> breathe, right, you do. Paul, breathe, yeah. breathe. You and my Canadian friends do that, yeah. <laughs> Thanks again, Paul. Thank you, Kylie. And now here's a regular feature on the AFA podcast, Golden Mane with his fulmination. It'll surprise no one to hear me state that I'm atheist, especially if you listen to this show. It will also surprise no one who's familiar with the seemingly endless screeds, rants and fulminations that I've produced over the many years, that there are two things about atheism that I hold to be not contradictory but complementary, and they are these. One, atheism is simply the state of not believing in gods. I don't believe in any gods. No one has managed to provide me with any convincing reason to think that such things exist. Hence, I'm atheist. I have no gods. Two, that is not without consequence. When I realised that I found it impossible to believe, I found myself having to reevaluate the entirety of my worldview. I had to re-examine my attitudes to all things. I had to develop the habit of reassessing the underlying assumptions that my interactions with the world rested upon. See, I was raised a form of evangelical Christian. Most forms of Christianity, given the writings they allegedly hold sacred, are rife with excuses for abhorrent attitudes and ignorant moral turpitude. Which is to say that, despite my mother, the one responsible for said religious upbringing, being a loving, caring, compassionate, strong woman, I was raised to be sexist, racist, homophobic and prejudiced in a whole host of ways that I'm still discovering and trying to correct today. I still find these traits on open display in some fairly close relatives. Not my siblings, even the religious ones, and I'm not entirely sure more than one of them is religious as such anymore, are better than their upbringing in many of those ways. They're good people, my sibs. Arguably better people than me. But I digress. The point I want to focus on is that need to reassess, to re-examine my attitudes and assumptions. Now, I don't want to make this overlong, and clearly it was not only religion but also other cultural elements that taught me to propagate horrendous shite. So this isn't going to become a treatise. I'm not looking to get an honorary PhD. But I am, really. Anyone? No? Fuck. So I'll try to keep this relatively short and focus on two issues, the second of which is what's currently got me incensed. The first attitude I want to address is sexism. The Bible teaches us that women are at best worth less than men. They were created as an afterthought, someone to keep a bloke company, a companion, kind of like a puppy dog you could fuck. Subservient to a man, a woman was chattel, owned property. A woman, a daughter, was owned by her father, and divine word dictated that she should be sold to another man, to become his fuck slave and produce babies. As many boy babies as possible, thanks. And if some girl babies come along, then at least we can sell them. God forbid, literally, that you produce only girl babies. Or none. Either way, it's your fault, because you're a woman. That's what my mother's, my mother's religion taught me. That was supposed to be how I thought of women. That was how I was taught to think of my sisters. Because I have a dick, I'm better. I'm more important. But I don't believe in gods. I don't think the Abrahamic God exists. So what basis do I have for maintaining such an attitude? What do, why do I think of women as lesser? Is that justifiable? I didn't have much of a clue, frankly, so I did what I've always driven to do, look to the evidence. Now, overcoming one's cognitive biases, including not a little tendency toward arrogance, can make this shit a very long process. I've, fortunate, I've been fortunate enough to have people around me who care enough to help me 
be less of a dickhead. So that helped. Anyway, throwing out those attitudes, which clearly derive from a religion now abandoned, left me with the simplest, most important understanding. Women are people. There's a flip side to that, and it's possibly even more important. I'm only a person too. See, many if not most religions, certainly the Abrahamic ones, placed man at the centre of existence. Not only had I been taught that women were inferior, I'd been taught that I was superior. Sort of let down that realisation. But crucial, I finally grokked what feminism was all about and find myself realising that not only was I atheist, I was feminist as well. Well, fuck me, I thought. That was unexpected. There was another thing I'd been raised to think. There was only one way for sex to be done right, and all other ways were terrible abominations. Sex, and gender and corollary to that, was man and woman in marriage, that's it. I grew up utterly oblivious to the harm I was probably perpetuating and abetting every time I made a joke about poofters or insulted a friend by calling him a fag or any of that shit. Now, some of that was simply being a country kid in Australia in the 80s, but largely it had its roots in the abomination that is Christian scripture. It's estimated that somewhere around 10% of the population don't fall neatly into the hetero cisgender box we choose to continue to pretend is normal. Frankly, I'd be surprised if the number wasn't significantly higher. But let's go with that 10% figure and see where it leads us. We'll go with a round figure for class sizes too. Let's lowball it. Pretend the average high school class size is 20. That means that on average, in every high school classroom, two of those kids fall outside of that box. That means that there is an incredibly high chance that, through my ignorance and my religiously inspired fucktardery, I contributed to making quite a few, li- few kids' lives more miserable. If only there had been some way for me to learn about LGBTQI issues in school and come to realise that I was being a prick and could do something to stop being a prick. Oh, wait! There is such a thing now. It's called the Safe Schools Coalition, and it's there to do precisely that, only now it's under attack. Guess who's attacking it? Go on. Bet you can't. Oh, clever you. That's correct. It's right-wing conservative Christians, the same overrepresented mob of racist, sexist, loudmouth thunderfucks who are always behind this shit. And what are their tactics? Fucking lies, of course. The program is all about kids learning that human sexuality and gender identity are not either or dualist, rigid, cookie-cutter things and supporting vulnerable kids during an incredibly vulnerable time of their lives. It's all about building stronger communities based upon mutual respect and recognition. Not according to Corey Bernardi and the Australian Christian Lobby, of course. According to their twisted perception of the world, it's all about turning kids gay, which is a bad thing. Everyone without their head up their own ass, of course, knows that there's no such thing as turning someone gay, just as there's no such thing as turning someone straight, or convincing a trans person that they're cis, or making my blue eyes brown. So 240 million bucks goes to the fucking chaplaincy bullshit that perpetuates persecution of LGBTQI kids, and these moral coprolites want to take away the measly 8 million dedicated to actually making shit better for these kids. Come on, you magical fucking delinquents. Pray my eyes brown. You might have a point. Till then, kindly fuck off. Atheist Oz podcast episodes are under the Free Commons license. You're free to distribute unedited versions of episodes for non-commercial purposes. If you want to edit the episodes, please contact us. The views are not necessarily representative of the Atheist Foundation of Australia, its affiliates, sponsors or advertisers. 
continue the conversation with atheists, the like-minded and the not-so-like-minded at AFA Forums, found at atheistfoundation.org.au forward slash forums, or tweet us at twitter.com forward slash atheistoz. Contact the show at atheistozpodcast at gmail.com.